Hey, you've tuned into Pipe Candy's Merchant Tree, where our host, Ashwin Ramasamy, gets the best minds in e-commerce to tell it how it really is. Get a front row seat to the latest trends in the e-commerce vertical and tell the hyperbole from the real deal. make some noise shall we welcome to the june episode of merchantry the podcast where you get to hear key executives and founders from uh, interesting players in the e-commerce ecosystem where they talk about um, how the e-commerce ecosystem evolves from their vantage point today i have manish chaudhary from kahoot uh, manish morning how are you Good morning, Ashwin. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You know, great having you. Uh, we met about a week back in Chicago, um, and it was super awesome to hear what Kahoot is doing. So let's start with an introduction to Kahoot. But before that, um, uh, give me the lead up to the uh, starting of like Kahoot. Like, what were you doing? What's your journey? And how did Kahoot come about? Well, thank you, Ashwin. I'll try to keep it short, um, just by way of introduction. My name is Manish Chaudhary. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Kahoot. Uh, Kahoot is the world's first peer-to-peer -peer order fulfillment network. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we are solving the free and fast shipping problem for consumers, for merchants who, uh, who need to compete uh, with the likes of Amazon to offer the same level of service and experience on any channel that they sell. Um, our warehouses, our fulfillment centers belong to other merchants who are fulfilling orders for themselves. And for the very first time, they get to join in the fulfillment economy by becoming a fulfillment partner, you know, for Kahoot. And thereby, they are not only making money selling their own goods, but they're also making money by fulfilling others. And Kahoot provides a fully managed marketplace so that they don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. So that's kind of the background into into Kahoot, Ashwin, and I can go back into history if you'd like. Yeah. Um, so where did you discover this, the, the seed of the idea for Kahoot and what were you doing before? Yeah, so I've been involved in e-commerce uh, since the very early days. I built one of the first e-commerce platforms out there. This is before the word e-commerce platform was even invented. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to call it turnkey e-commerce solution or turnkey shopping cart software. Uh, this is going back uh, late 99, 98, uh, 2000, back in the Yahoo days. Um, and we were the pioneers in creating how do you offer tools to merchants, the SMBs, to get online, be secure, not get their credit card stolen, and make it so easy for them to set up an online storefront without you know, um, six-figure investment back in the day. Uh, so uh, I basically took that experience and built uh, our own first e-commerce platform, mm -hmm. uh, which was later, we added uh, back office functionality. So we have a full suite of uh, uh, retail, online retail operations, omni-channel, multi-channel, which is called Pulse Commerce. So Pulse mm -hmm. Commerce is a leading mid-market order management, inventory management platform. And the idea of Kahoot actually, you know, came about uh, 
uh, on, believe it or not, uh, 20 years ago, you know, uh, I know it sounds crazy that uh, this is long before Amazon Prime even existed. There was no such thing as uh, free shipping, let alone two-day free shipping. And uh, essentially what I saw, you know, we plotted some sales data on the map of the U.S. and we saw, this is going back in 2002, that the same identical product, let's say it was a digital camera that was traveling from a vendor in New York to a consumer in California. And at the same time, the same identical product was, was being shipped from a, a retailer in California to a consumer in New Jersey or New York. So when I saw that that was happening so frequently and 6,000 miles of uh, um, inefficiency in my brain that regardless of who sold what to whom, that just should not happen because there has to be, there ought to be a better, more efficient way uh, uh, for merchants to fulfill orders to consumers. And that was the genesis of uh, Kahoot, which was designed to be an optimization platform. It's just not about shipping or fulfillment. It's about optimization. Got it. That's, that's much before Prime. Yes, I understand. But like, you know, there is uh, a good amount of awareness for the shared economy today. Like there is like Uber, DoorDash. So can I, can I say that Kahoot is um, bringing a sh sharing economy kind of a concept into uh, Vano spaces? Is that a fair way of characterizing this? Yes, uh, certainly taking advantage of the on-demand economy. And, uh, you know, you just made me aware of uh, uh, the news that came out on Friday about Amazon wanting to let, uh, to, to get rid of excess space. Um, and that's the advantage. The beauty of uh, on-demand economy is you can scale up and down uh, quite efficiently, quite effectively. So, yes, you know, it is taking a similar concept, but of course, uh, applying our own, you know, secret sauce, applying the, the processes and protocols in place to ensure that it happens successfully and the end consumer is delighted, is satisfied with the, uh, with the process. So yes, uh, you, could, you could say that, that yes, we have taken elements of uh, the gig economy, the shared economy, and brought that to fulfillment and warehousing. Right. So I'm going to take a, a step away from Kahoot and uh, and, uh, and ask you an industry um, um, industry level question. Right. So on one hand, uh, the pandemic actually acted as a tailwind for e-commerce demand, um, which is great. But the supply bottlenecks stifled a lot of e-commerce merchants, especially in the SMB side of uh, um, that chain. Uh, the cost of, uh, there was supply um, uncertainty. The cost of like logistics, like inbound logistics, like uh, has been skyrocketing. Uh, will there be a cool off? Will there be a, a, a rethinking of like how uh, the network has to be built within the US and across the, across the border? Uh, what is happening in the world of like logistics and warehousing and how are things going to change permanently? Uh, I wish I had the answer to the future. I can certainly provide my perspective and opinion, which is probably uh, what anyone, uh, any one of us can predict. Mm -hmm. uh, cooling off, cooling off the economy. Yes, of course, uh, because uh, of the, rising inflation 
um, we have to, you know, the, the only way to combat or one of the only ways to combat rising inflation is going to be interest rates. And interest rates, of course, has a uh, macro effect on the economy. You know, um, if you can, uh, if you're not, if you can't borrow as much, uh, uh, it certainly creates, uh, uh, it certainly affects liquidity in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, e-commerce, e-commerce went up quite sharply during the pandemic. You know, as people return to normal life, it is only uh, fair, it is only uh, reasonable to expect that uh, such uh, 30, 30, 30% year-over-year growth in a sector that's as big as retail is unsustainable. You know, yeah. that is, uh, it is to be expected. Uh, the geopolitical events with uh, things like uh, uh, China lockdown, you know, that combined with the war in Ukraine, uh, all of those are certainly affecting supply chain because if I think I believe 12% of all um, uh, commerce in the U.S. is reliant on China, I believe uh, 12% of our products come from China. So if one out of 10 or even more than that uh, is reliant on China and those things are not coming in, uh, it is causing um, imbalance in trade, you know, because we don't have domestic manufacturing. Uh, but uh, although I have, I've, I've heard and I've uh, followed that the uh, cost of shipping, the freight is coming down, mm-hmm. you know, that is uh, certainly, um, so I, I personally think that, yes, uh, there's going to be, you know, some kind of a reshuffling of things uh, that uh, is going to happen. Uh, in what order it will happen or what exactly would it look like, um, that's hard to say. But, I mean, people are not going back to the pre-pandemic levels as is. You know, I think uh, it, we're going to see, you know, and if you want to get more specific, then we can talk about something that's more specific in terms of whether it's consumer behavior or if it is um, the developments that that's ha- that are happening in the marketplace world and so on. Right. So, uh Let's let's talk about um, you know how this plays out for logistics, right? On one hand, uh, Amazon was in a uh, in a spree of acquiring like warehouse spaces to a point where um, the 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 uh, industrial uh, space availability was a problem. I was reading a CBRE report that um, because of like heightened activity from Amazon in terms of acquiring space for warehousing there was like a um, supply demand like aberration in the market and amazon is kind of making a u-turn um, on one hand that is happening on the other hand i saw uh, we saw the uh, deliver acquisition by shopify right uh, in preparation for their ability to support like you know two-day shipping across the us for all the merchants right um, so um, is demand cooling off to an ex- to, to that extent that Amazon is thinking of subletting 10 million square feet worth of space like very soon? Um, if that is true, what do you make of the deliver acquisition and the timing of it? It's a great, great question, Ashwin. I mean, I think 10 million square feet in Amazon uh, world is probably um, a tiny single digit percentage. You know, I think uh, uh, when Amazon sneezes, the, in- the industry gets a cold, you know, so I, 
you know, I feel that, uh, uh, again, I haven't uh, analyzed this piece of news, but I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think this is, uh, you know, when Amazon makes a little bit of a uh, reshuffling of priorities, we, have, we don't know if it's a specific geography that they had excess space in, or, you know, it, is, um, uh, it, it may just be a simple optimization that they are doing. I don't think uh, uh, at this present time, I wouldn't be overly concerned about the macro environment. I think that still remains very strong. Because, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Shopify's, acquis- Shopify's acquisition of Deliver, in general, people are buying more stuff online. People expect one-day, two-day delivery, and that is not going to change whether, uh, whether we see a recession or whatever economic cool-off you see. So what is Pipe Candy? Pipe Candy is the industry standard data set that tracks over a million e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands. Demand generation, corporate strategy, analytics, and product teams use Pipe Candy to get their share of the e-commerce land grab. Sign up for a free trial today at pipecandy.com. All right, after that classy self-promotion, we are back to the show. So, um the impact of like the expectations of consumers of like say one day or same day or next day shipping it's one thing to expect that in new york which is like a very dense market so you can actually do that but if you're in boise idaho and expect like the same day shipping experience uh it takes a lot of cost for a d2c brand to make that happen right um and uh, on one hand um, you have the supply chain imbalance and uh, because of which you cannot predict inventory levels that we need to keep. So brands struggle with inventory turnover. Um, on, on the other hand, there has been an increase in freight costs, so that also puts in a cash squeeze. And the market for fundraising has never been worse for D2C brands. It's been bad for a while. D2C IPOs have not done well. So D2C as a market has not been a darling for VC investments, so they need to turn towards debt. So there is cash squeeze all across the chain for D2C brands. And if they have to support the same day or next day shipping, say to um, a a remote, um, not so dense city in the US, it is going to put further strain for them. So how do you think brands will navigate this going forward? That's a great question, Ashwin. In fact, um, last uh, summer, Kahoot did an original study of the top 50 brands on Shopify and top 50 brands on big commerce. And we actually uh, compared, uh, looked for the identical product on marketplaces as it was on uh, the DTC site. And the results might surprise you. Uh, what we found was that these DTC brands are severely lacking in their fulfillment and delivery experience. You know, you mentioned uh, one day and same day. Uh, our research and our data suggest that these uh, DTC brands are not even accomplishing two-day delivery. They're not even doing two-day uh, delivery, which was the expectation of yesterday in the Amazon world. So, so what, we found, what we found was that DTC brands have yet to embrace the Amazon-like fulfillment experience in reality. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we found that uh, nearly um, 
60% of the time or 70% of the time, we published an article in Forbes, you know, and there's certainly information on our website for anyone who wants to check out, uh, that uh, there was not even a price parity, meaning 60 to 70% of the time you could buy uh, the products from the marketplace cheaper and faster than the DTC site. And in this study was large popular brands that you would imagine, and I'll name a few, uh, Vineyard Vines, uh, Skull Candy, uh, the things that you would think that they have it all covered, but the reality is you're talking about same day and next day delivery. They're not even delivering two days. So to me, if you're a DTC brand and you haven't achieved even two day delivery nationwide yet, you have a, uh, you have a, lot, far, a lot further to go. Right. In this context, um, what do you think about Bygood Prime? Does it actually um, <clears throat> then become this, uh, you know, uh, um, white knight who would come to save these D2C brands? Uh, they've not been able to achieve this same day, next day shipping. Um, Amazon has all the infrastructure to do it. Um, and uh, D2C brands have not been more vulnerable in their existence um, uh, like they are now, would they embrace Amazon and Amazon's fulfillment now more than ever? Yeah, so um, from our perspective, um, we think of uh, Buy with Prime as a Trojan horse. You know, it's, uh, if you recall, it is not what it appears. Mm -hmm. You know, it, uh, of course, uh, to the pundits, to the people who are in the industry, we know that it's not just fulfillment, it's the checkout. And it has many things uh, bundled inside. So you're letting uh, go of your entire customer experience from the shopping cart onwards. And uh, there are three big components of this buy with Prime. Uh, for the audience who may or may not be familiar with it, is essentially the ability for a third-party website outside of Amazon to place the Prime button on their, on their product page and also allow the customer to check out using the Prime account and then qualify for two-day unlimited shipping as part of the Prime membership program. But behind the scene, let's say you put the Prime button um, on, the, on the product page. The first thought that comes to me, my, my mind as a shopper is, let's go, find, let's go check out this product on Amazon and let's see if I can find a better deal. So, so now I'm in the buying journey Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it may be embraced by some, mostly SMBs, I think. And then once I go through the checkout process, I've lost control of my customer. Uh, the program is still in beta, so it's very hard to tell right. what, how this program will be actually executed. What, will it be Amazon's customer or will it be my customer? Will Amazon share my data or will I get a portion of the data? Uh, payment processing, as you know, is one of the big money makers in the checkout space. You know, Shopify makes over 50% of all its revenue, all its revenue from merchant solutions or payment processing. So now you're surrendering all of that to Amazon. Um, so it, it is uh, Amazon advertising. Let's say uh, you start the checkout journey and you decide to abandon that. Will Amazon now take that information? And when you go to Amazon.com, which every prime shopper visits Amazon.com once a week, will I get... Um, or will I get targeted by a competing product? Will I close the sale on Amazon and now have to pay 15% to Amazon commission for a customer that was introduced on my DTC site? So there are more questions than answers right now. 
Right. Uh, Amazon does say that it's going to share the customer data with the DTC brand and, and <coughs> be transparent, but all the layers of value that Amazon is accruing from this, um, this initiative um, is, is loaded towards them. Yes, there is no doubt about that. Um, um, but uh, from the perspective of like DTC brands, it's a question of how much distribution um, they can gain. Um, so for Amazon, I'm sorry, for Amazon, it's distribution. I mean, they can, they can you know, sow this seed like far and wide and get like new customers um, uh, coming into. So it's also a recruitment engine for Prime, right? Uh, yep. And uh, they can also like make sure that the prime customers get like enough benefit out of like you know that membership. Uh, for for D two C brands, uh, buy with Prime is an assurance that the fulfillment experience as to is going to be good from a consumer's point of view. So the consumer the conversion rate could be higher. Uh, so uh, it's a win for the D two C brand. But the question is. Will the conversion lift be so much? Will the will the uh, post purchase experience be so better for the customers that it makes sense for them to take the risk of siding with Amazon and parting with a lot of data? Um, it is even less compelling if you are Shopify, right? So uh, should Shopify allow this to happen on its platform? Hell no, but. Uh, can Shopify <clears throat> Shopify Plus merchants to try this, especially because Shopify has been stammering and stuttering with its fulfillment network uh, initiatives? What do you think about that? If you're Shopify, what would be the conversation internally? Well, uh, Ashwin, I'll address the first one first, which first question first, which is um, how should the DTC brand think about it? Right, we. Uh, whether it's good for the DTC brand, you mentioned uh, it will help with conversion. Yes, but if you look at the the last uh, or top 50 DTC brands that you mentioned earlier in the podcast that are struggling with uh, finances and squeeze and so on, uh, for a DTC brand to succeed long-term, they need to focus on customer lifetime value. It's not so much about the customer acquisition. It's about customer lifetime value, and repeat that, the customer lifetime value. So if the buy with Prime helps you with conversion, that helps you with acquisition, it may not help you with customer lifetime value, which is the core premise of a DTC brand. So you're literally, just as you mentioned, acting as a recruitment engine for Amazon Prime, and now either the shopper that is already a Prime member um, gets another, yes, it gets a boost in, try, in conversion the first time. And now Amazon has even more data to target that customer with, uh, I won't go as far as Amazon basics, but um, uh, those stories are well true and known. Yes. Um, we know that the prime member visits Amazon website once a, once a week at the very least. You know, uh, if you can't retarget this customer, we don't know if you're gonna get the email or if they're going to be targeted by Amazon with a competing offering, because uh, then the question really becomes about the customer lifetime value for the DTC brand. So I would think long and hard, if you were a DTC brand, whether this is the right move for the DTC brand, will it allow the, the uh, merchant or the brand to build a long-term relationship with this customer and continue to 
sell additional services and create a profitable long-term relationship with this customer. So I'll leave it at that. So yes, conversion, short-term, yes, it may help, but long-term, um, lots more, lot more questions than answers. Got it. Uh, with, res yeah. with respect to Shopify, uh, again, Shopify has a large uh, number of uh, stores out there and uh, they need to they need to they need to either offer a similar service uh, or allow the user allow the merchant to experiment with whatever options that uh, the industry provides like uh, buy with prime so they are in a difficult position because they don't have a network that is uh, uh, fully functional or fully built out yet mm -hmm. so even with the deliver acquisition i fear that uh, um, just the diversity of Shopify merchants, they need a more a robust offering uh, that may need independent players like Kahoot to augment that. It's not uh, all or nothing, I think, for Shopify.